0: was this idea that one of the characters to do a deep dive, he, he, he basically like had to like breathe water. It was kind of crazy. I mean, there was more to it, there was some pseudoscience and stuff to it, but he had to breathe water. He wasn't breathing you know, gas, air, like we breathe. And so there was this idea that was interesting to me, that he normal, he kind of gave off this vibe, like, yeah, I'm feeling good, I'm feeling normal, I'm breathing water, you know, I'm feeling like a normal guy. So this idea that normal, normally air but he's breathing water so I'm going to try to make sense of that in a second try to come back to that so my adult life uh, one thing that God's slowly been working on and kind of starting off with a little bit of like a I guess a testimony here of sorts is that um, God's slowly been speaking to me about how I he's like Wes you really 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 like to be comfortable It's like a non-negotiable. It's almost like an idol, it's like a Bible word, but this is this thing I put in front of God or or sort of either in his place or before him, you know, it's a contingency. Um, And he's uh, spoken to me about um, how that gets, you know, um, I really resist that, I run from that. Uh, And it's mostly emotional discomfort, fear, anxiety. Um, I get outside my comfort zone Um, and, and recently um, I had a uh, there was a need for me to st- step into a leadership position at my job, and many of you probably already are leaders at your work or in management. But for me, that was like whoa, like freaked me out. It got me into that place of fear and anxiety. Uh, that for me, for whatever reason, that's my thing. It's it's an it's a it's a challenge, right? And I felt I at some point had the clarity to ask God. Uh, I'm feeling really uncomfortable, but God would you somehow grow me in this? Is there somehow that you could you teach me to kind of Breathe water basically, right? I'm used to breathing air Is there a way I can exist with you and the Holy Spirit helping me to like breathe? heard
1: me of us teaching this Sunday? And I laughed <laughs> I said there's nothing that God's teaching us or me personally that is worth sharing with the entire church body um, but then immediately after i was like sorry no but i'll pray about it um we went to like two days later we went to a one-day conference and the conference was called disruptive discipleship and mm-hmm. here we are giving this message <laughs> disruptive discipleship uh so it was disruptive it has been disruptive it's been uncomfortable even wes and i have kind of butt heads a few time in trying to do this but um the, the conference started with this specific devotional that I'm about to share with you guys, and it's about the cost of discipleship. So let's start there. Luke 14, verses 25 through 33. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple." And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. So this is not an easy passage, <laughs> um, and thankfully the man who is leading the devotional admitted that like this is not the fun teaching passage. Um, so he just dove right in, very beginning. This is the start of our day into this deep water of the cost of discipleship, and then all throughout that morning he kept repeating this. He said Jesus was disruptive at his nature. He was disruptive, and so if it's not disruptive it's not discipleship. And then he said it again. If it's not disruptive, it's not discipleship. So what is discipleship? Um, It's what Wes was just sharing about, right? It's wrestling with God to see where he might be growing you even in discomfort. It's intentionally growing. It's learning from and living more like Jesus. And it doesn't happen without disruption. We have we are not going to accidentally or naturally become more Christ-like. It's just, it just—it has to be disruptive. It has to interrupt what we would naturally do, um, and it's going to cost us, which is what Jesus is sharing about in that passage of Luke. So Jesus shares three potential areas of cost. Um, and so, and and the devotional speaker really honed in on those three as well. So in Luke 14, in that passage, we see three areas, and these are in your bulletin. The first area where it can cost us is loneliness, right? Verse 26, giving up, hating mother, father, right? He's not literally telling us we need to hate them, but he's saying it might cost us some of our most valuable relationships. We might feel like we are... Um, lacking some of the people or some of the love that we think we need because of what Jesus is doing in our lives. Um, And the next one, I think these might actually be reversed on your um, bulletin, but the next one I'm going to talk about is death, which is actually verses 26 and 27 um, so it could be literal death, definitely people faced literal death, but also it can be just that, that letting go of something about our identity, that dying to ourselves that we, um, that we experience the more we follow Jesus and the more he disciples us. Um, so we can lose parts of our life, we can lose parts of our identity, and we can suffer. Um, and then the third one is poverty, verse 33 um giving up everything we have so following him might mean not having the things that we think we need to be comfortable the things that we need um or we want or even maybe what the world is telling us we we need and want um, so i'm tempted right off the bat my flesh my nature inside is like no 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 no. we're probably we're probably misunderstanding this passage if we're going to talk about loneliness death and poverty i don't <laughs> think that that would be right um, but that's my temptation, because I want to be comfortable. And when I actually reflect on Jesus and his followers, they all experienced some degree of loneliness, death, and poverty as they were being, becoming more Christ-like. So there you
0: go. OK. So there's the, there's the fun invitation, right? Yes, let's do this, right? So who would ever say yes to that? Um, I think what uh, what this devotional Anne's referring to put put forward, and, and what we're um, putting forward to you all this morning, is that only those who have an accurate understanding of who Jesus is, right? The more accurate our understanding of who He is, shapes how we can grapple with those sorts of things that I run away from. They were trying. Um, so again, I'll repeat that. The more accurate and deep our understanding of who Jesus is, the more willing we are to say yes to any cost. So I'm just saying that. I'm not an expert at this, just just clarifying that. But I think it's true. I think it's true. Um, so he'll continue to disrupt our lives, my life, often, though, to reveal more of who he is, of who he is. So let's get into the Gospel of John chapter 11. Um, Wayne was in 10 last week I think well-known biblical passage we got Lazarus um, uh, being raised from the dead Uh, but we're going to look at it through this lens of who Jesus is and how he goes about revealing that so um, I don't think yeah this will be on the screen I don't think this part's in your bulletin let's start off in verse 1 I'm just going to read through John 11 verse 1 now a man named Lazarus was sick he was from Bethany the village of Mary and her sister Martha so the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her son. He stayed where he was for two more days. So... So Jesus here is faced with a choice. He's got this clear, there's a crisis. These are people he loves. That we know from previous chapters, Like he, they're friends of his. They're not just random people. He knows them. He loves them. So is he just going to go and jump and alleviate this situation, right? Is he going to take care of it? Lazarus is sick. And I think what, and maybe you picked up on it the way I read it at the end there, is what's interesting here is how love is defined, right? It says he loves them but then it appears that loving them translated to waiting two days. A little weird. That's not how I would uh, react if I <laughs> if I was Jesus. Thankfully not. <laughs> uh, and I just, I do want to pause, right? This is, they're in distress. It's kind of good for me to like, ha ha, you know, Jesus prankster waiting two days. You know, these, these, these people were in distress. They were sad. We've experienced, you know, loss this week. You know, so this is, not easy. I don't want to make light of of the situation. So they were uh, in distress. Um, And those are um, experiences and emotions that rock our existence. They're extremely strong. They're real. When when fear and anxiety wash over me, that feels paralyzing to me. But Jesus waits. (laughs) And he's God. So something different must be going on. So an idea here that uh, I want us to start chewing on here is that instead of by alleviating distress, Jesus—and this is, I think, is in your bulletin—Jesus loves us mainly by showing us Himself, or sort of who He is Himself, and His and God's glory. That's mainly how He goes about loving us. Now, sometimes it, it translates to things like healing and, and those sorts of things, but His His main thing is showing us Himself and His and God's glory. Glory, we don't have time to go deep on that this morning. Glory, we could have a whole series of messages on what glory means. I'm just going to say in this case, revealing his glory, it talks a bit about God's presence, Jesus' presence, giving us his presence, his holiness. In the person of Jesus, it connotes Jesus' otherness, which I know is a little abstract. So that's glory, giving us himself in his glory. So here Jesus is loving them by giving them himself in his glory. Let's, let's see how this works out. Let's continue skipping ahead to Jesus' arrival on scene. Uh, this, I think, will be in your bulletin also on the screen. We'll go to verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Jesus had already been in the tomb for Lazarus. four, what?
1: Lazarus had already been. Sorry,
0: yeah, thank you. That's a, that's a faux pas. Let's start that again. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus, that will be Jesus pretty soon. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in his tomb for four days. I don't know how long it took to actually then get him to his tomb. So four days, five days. Been in his tomb for four days, so Lazarus is dead. Skipping to verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die do you believe this yes lord she replied I believe that you are the messiah the son of God who has come into the world so again there's a lot in here we could just sit, sit on that passage and kind of just mic drop drop that mic um one thing that sticks out to me is Martha's grieving, her brother died, and she's able to, over the course of those four verses, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't died, and then she's tracking with Jesus through this conversation somehow, and not just being like, upset. So she's able to have this insightful conversation with Jesus, uh, partly I wonder, or is it because of the situation that she's able to have the conversation, not in spite of the situation, right? Lazarus hadn't died, they wouldn't be having this conversation. Obviously, but back to what we're talking about today, her life has been disrupted big time. And it's clearly important to Jesus to have this conversation with her, right? He could have just shown up and done other things, but he's like, hey, Martha, and he wants to have this conversation about who he is. He's the resurrection and the life. Again, similar to the previous pastors, a lot going on. One important thing, right, that Jesus wants her to know, at least that's what Ann and I are seeing. He wants us to know really clearly that he is the resurrection and the life. And he asks her, he asks us directly, do you believe it, do you believe it? And he, uh, we think about all the passages in John, first, John one, where it's, you know, in the word, in the beginning was the word, and he's the, the, the light to the world and all those sorts of images. So even after this exchange, uh, when we think we believe, maybe we can say, I do believe that, uh, Jesus knows where we need more belief, more of him. So the story, this disruption continues.
1: All right, continues. So after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, So often the Jews watching Jesus, when they're muttering under their breath or these questions or criticisms, usually I can't really relate to them because usually they're really thinking of like how they can conspire against him, how threatening they find him, and how you know, oh, we need to find a way to quiet him down or kill him. Um, but this time they ask a really relatable question, a question I think I would be asking too, if he really is who he says he is couldn't Jesus have prevented Lazarus from dying? And I think Mary and Martha are asking that same question and they know the answer. The answer is yes, yes, they've both said it. If you had been here, my brother would not be dead. So they know he could have, they know he could have done something, but if he had, there would have been no discipleship. There would have been no disruption. Um, and they wouldn't have been able to grow in their understanding of what it means that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the one that God has sent to come to the world. Even though they say they believe that, they don't really understand what that means. So he's going to show them here. And, and his, their belief is going to be deepened by this response and this disruption. So let's continue to see where this painful disruption leads and how Jesus responds. Verse 38. Verse 38. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. So this whole chapter of kind of disruption. And there, in just a verse and a half, we get Jesus's long-awaited response. He raises Lazarus from the dead, even after four days, after four days of grief and sorrow and disruption, significant disruption for Mary and Martha. So if he's doing this because he loves them, and if he's doing this to disciple them, then what do they learn? What do we learn about who Jesus is As a result of this well jesus said it in verse 24 and even asked them if they believed it i am the resurrection and the life but then he even shows them i am the resurrection and the life i like how biblical scholar alexander mclaren puts it he says jesus even at that hour of agony because he's hurting too he's weeping he's troubled even at that hour of agony, turns Martha's thoughts away from Lazarus and onto himself. What he is, is the all important thing for her to know. If she understands him, life and death will have no insoluble problems, nor any hopelessness for her. And he makes it present, present hope, not just future hope. She's like, yeah, I believe Lazarus will rise on the last day. And he says, no, right now, right now. He's showing all of us and he's showing her that this hope that he offers, this resurrection that he offers is a present hope. He's offering this now just as much in the future, right? It's both. It's now and future. Um, So this begs the question then, why why does Jesus feel this is so important for them to understand? Why did he have to cause so much suffering and, and allow such severe disruption in order for them to understand that. My guess is for the same reasons that we in this park here need to understand that. If Jesus offers us new life where there is currently death, that should change how we live. If we really believe that, it should change how we live. It would enable us to say yes to the costs of discipleship right? When Wes mentioned earlier, we can't say yes to him if we don't know who he is because you don't say yes to someone you don't trust. The more we know him, the more we trust him, the more nothing he could ask of us would feel too costly. And so Mary and Martha and all of us here are seeing a little bit more clearly who he is and what he offers us and then we can maybe say yes to some of those costs that he's asking of us. He loves us too much to let us just settle for like him keeping us comfortable. He loves Wes too much to just let him stay comfortable at work, even though Wes wants to. (laughs) Um, Because he knows that won't enable Wes to say yes more. And he knows that I need to be discipled and uncomfortable to say yes more. So um, yeah, so he wants to disrupt things. Um, And this would not have happened if they had not been disrupted. And he says, you will see the glory of God. So the more we say yes, the more we will see and experience his glory. And he wants to show us his glory um, because seeing his glory is sort of how we grasp his presence and how we grasp his holiness. It's so... um, ambiguous sometimes these words especially these church words so so when he, we experience his holiness we have a taste of just how other how different he is than what we might what box we might have put him in
0: uh, so back to Luke 14 loneliness death poverty this is a hard teaching who can accept it right <laughs> um, and it you know I I, you know, I was a little bit of a cranky pants this week, you know, preparing for this. Um, Those type of passages, I totally echo that. This is a hard teaching. Man, this is, I'm not happy. But uh, as I was thinking about this, I was like, let's not lose track of what the context was of those things, right? It's talking about being his disciple, right? Discipleship. So how we're growing and actively following Jesus. Growth, so okay, I'm a little less cranky about that. So growth, I like that, I like that. Growth, I want to grow. I want to to grow in following the one who saved me and rescued me, yep. Who is the resurrection and the life, okay. Who loves me as I am. Even when he has to drag me along, kicking and screaming. Uh, but critically, for what he has for us today, right now, clearly, I think this is in your bullets, and clearly, that growth often comes in the context of disruption. So, just sort of summarizing here. Um, and I don't, I don't like it. Often, but it comes in the context of disruption, and I acknowledge that. Um. When we're confronted with the cost of loneliness, I mean, these things are hard. When we're confronted with that, what Jesus whispers to me is, you are not alone. You are not alone. I am with you. We see that all over the place in the New Testament. I am with you. Right? So Jesus and the Holy Spirit walk this out with us. They don't just say, like, hey, go for it. Laters, you know, we'll... Let me know how it's going. They, they walk this out with us. They don't invite us into growth and then say, we're out of here. So let's think about that. What helps you when you're waiting? What helps you when you're feeling alone? I just have to, ta- I just have to talk to Jesus. <laughs> just acknowledge it. Obviously, Mar- Mary and Martha were experiencing a very real physical death, and, and I've already commented on i mean that's we've we were experiencing that even now um back to my story on a more emotional level it feels like a sort of death right to step into something that makes me uncomfortable because i recoil from that like well i run for cover what you're challenging this non-negotiable i'm out of here i struggle with fear I can worship that comfort zone, right? Forgive me, Jesus. I, I can worship it. So I struggle with fear. What I love here, though, is not, I'll, I'll think about this, and it's, it's powerful for me. Just for me, for some reason, it's so simple. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am here. I am here. In those moments of, of just where we're at the end of our rope. He does, he says that. He says that. It's when he's walking on the water. I mean, he probably says it multiple times. When he's walking on the water, out to the disciples who are floundering in the boat, right? Don't don't be afraid. I'm I'm here, (laughs) which I love, right? We feel that. It's not an empty promise. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So moving out of my comfort zone can feel like a death of sorts. It's a cost. So I'm learning... Um, to ask Jesus and the Holy Spirit to teach me and grow me when I'm really uncomfortable. Rather than running away from that situation and, and reflexively bail out, I'm learning to ask more out loud in the moment uh, something like, Jesus, be close. I'm scared. And then here's the trick. I'm trying. This is trying. And here's the change. How are you growing me in this moment? I'm overwhelmed. These things stuff's washing over me but trying to be like okay how are you growing me in this moment
1: so Wes mentioned kind of s- specifically looking at loneliness where where are we feeling a, a sense of loneliness and what God's asking us to do um, and then he talked a little bit about death and and then his own personal experience with like having to die to that that desire for com- he has to kind of let that die Um, And then what about poverty? So I'm thinking what truth about Jesus helps us say yes to this? Because we've said that truths about him help us say yes. Um, So thankfully, I have been, we have been really fortunate to never really face complete literal poverty, right? Um, Jesus has never asked me to sell everything I own, um, to give up everything. Um, But even in our privilege, we've had some discomforts of the cost and so when we were talking about uh, the poverty aspect we kind of thought well there was this time pretty early on in our marriage Um, we had three young kids and um, one income and we felt like God was asking us to continue to financially give to what he was doing. Um, whether that was through the church or missionaries or whatever. We just knew he was asking us to financially give to his kingdom work. And that meant that for several years we probably we weren't saving probably anything. <laughs> I don't think we were saving. I mean if we were, it was maybe 20 bucks, 30 bucks. Like we were not saving. And I remember the judgment from other people. Not that I go around talking to my, you know, everyone about my finances, but when I was in conversation with family or close friends, sometimes they thought we were really foolish, like really, really foolish, because we needed that money. We ne- It was not wise for us to do that. Um, and so it was really kind of embarrassing when, you know, people are talking about their saving plans and what they're doing for their kids to go to college, and we were just like, well, we're... <laughs> (laughs) feeding everyone (laughs) and we're getting them to school and and we just somehow I mean it was God's grace to us that he we had at least that belief that disobeying him would have been worse than feeling the awkwardness of people thinking we were foolish um so somehow we were able to walk that out but we did sense that like call to poverty so to speak um and God always showed up. God always gave us what we needed. There was there was always what we needed. When some huge expense came up that we would have not had any money saved for, somehow something worked out. Um, and so when I think about that, I think about what truth helped us in that moment. And I think it's actually what Wayne talked about last Sunday, which is you know that John 10 concept that Jesus is the good shepherd. Jesus is good, and he cares about every sheep and he is with us and so i think we just knew if he's telling us to do this and he's with us Mm -hmm. and he's good we'll we'll be okay Mm -hmm. um so how about you how about where is jesus calling you to be okay in loneliness or waiting for him be okay with death maybe losing something some part of your life your identity some relationships or to be okay with financial loss or the loss of financial comfort perhaps Um, I think that I think we need to wrestle with some of these questions so we actually are going to give you guys some time here um, and you're going to there's going to be some questions up there Uh, I'm going to read them to you and we're just going to spend a couple of minutes just letting you kind of process this, to take these questions, because these this is a lifelong process. Like, I have a long way to go. We all have a long way to go, I'm sure, in understanding Jesus well enough to say yes to the cost of discipleship. Um, and so in these couple of minutes, I just want you to bring these questions to God and allow him to speak to you about them. Write down what you think. If something's unclear... Um, follow up, come up for prayer. I'm going to invite the prayer team to stand up here during this last song and even maybe during this reflection time, come up and get prayer. Um, you can get prayer for anything, obviously, but then especially if God's bringing something up in, in this. Um, that Wayne, Wes, fill out the connection card. However, we can be supporting you and praying for you as you wrestle through this because this is not easy. Okay, so here are the questions. Where is Jesus disrupting things in your life? How do you react to that disruption? What cost are you struggling to say yes to? What does this show you, this struggle, what does this show you about where you might not fully know who Jesus is? I think there's an aspect of who Jesus is that helps us in each one of those yeses that he's inviting us to to say. So... What does Jesus want you to know about him with more confidence? So just sit with these questions for a minute, um, and then go ahead and come up and get prayer if you would like it. And then we're going to close with the final song in a couple of minutes.